Welcome to the Business Collective Podcast with Terry Fletcher. Weekly conversations and insights on how to go from employee to consultant in any business field where your years of expertise can be showcased. Take your career to the next level, entrepreneurship. Now here's your host, nationally recognized healthcare consultant, speaker, and author, Terry Fletcher. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Business Collective Podcast. My name is Terry Fletcher. Hope everybody's having a good day. Today is going to really focus on how to bring in a co-founder or a partner into your new business. I've had a lot of questions on that. And first of all, is it a good idea? But secondly, what can a partner offer? I'm sure a lot of you, as you are starting up your new business, uh, whether it be in consulting, whether it be a product you're, you want to put out there, um, whether it be you and your spouse or your partner, but your initial vision or your initial uh, conversations were with somebody else. And basically you were saying, okay, should we start this business? Can we get this together? And really you just wanted to have somebody give you feedback and to play off of somebody else. And entrepreneurs often try to bring in partners to bridge gaps in knowledge, to try to share the burden of decision-making and hopefully offer emotional support in challenging times. And boy, do we have challenging times now, especially for those of you that are trying to launch a new business and it can be quite the juggling act, but to really try to make sure that you're functioning like a well-oiled machine, that's really all I can relate it to a co-founder or a partner may be the answer to your prayers. But if the selection process isn't done right, it can be a disaster. I mean, you're searching for that peanut butter to your jelly, for that meat with your potatoes, you know, however you want to say it, you're searching for that partner that can complement what you're doing. And so when you deal with that, you have to steer clear from people who may ruin your reputation, who may fall out of sync on work ethic uh, or set wildly different goals than your own. Having a co-founder means splitting the rewards as well as the responsibilities as well. So make sure it's worthwhile. And I'm going to give you some advice just basically taken from the experience that I've had on choosing a co-founder or a partner uh, for your new entrepreneurial business. And I've had, oh my gosh, I've had a lot of partners in the last 30 years of, you know, putting out uh, different businesses and being a part of a business and different branches, branches of my own business. And I have found some interesting things, you know, you'll meet people also that upon meeting them, you think, oh my gosh, this person is amazing. And I can't imagine not having them in my life and incorporating them maybe as a business partner. And a couple months down the road, you realize that that isn't the person you thought they were. I've actually had that happen to me recently. And it just turned out to be a very toxic relationship. And so you have to cut ties sometimes. So just keep that in mind that the business is yours. And you need to make sure that if you're going to choose, you want somebody that can complement your skills while filling gaps in other areas. So it's it's a really tough uh, situation when it comes to somebody that you're not really sure if this is the right fit. But you can also sound off ideas um, with another person, gain new perspectives and a new approach for decisions from different angles. But the biggest thing for me is making sure that person is accountable, has the right work ethic. Um, I've got some partners even in my business that I need to make a change soon because I'll send an email and I won't get a response. And all of a sudden I'll be like thinking that a task was done because you 
basically delegated it out and then realizing that that person hasn't looked at it, hasn't followed up on it, hasn't gotten back to you. That's a pet peeve of mine, by the way. And so work ethic is definitely something that you have to be in sync with. But also having a co-founder, when we talk about, you know, splitting the rewards, it is also about splitting the responsibilities. And unless you have a partner or a co-founder that understands that, then it's not going to be worth your time. So it's really important to make sure that you have uh, core roles within your partnership. So first of all, you need a domain expert. And what that is, that's someone who knows the audience and likely offers the vision behind the company. And that can be you, but that also should be somebody that is within your your same uh, field. The next one would be the delivery person. So someone who can build and deliver the product or service, such as a chief technical officer as well. And then there's the money person. You can't forget that. And that's someone who will generate revenue, make the uh, business investable or viable, but also knows how to continue with that cash flow. And I actually put that on myself in my business, plus pick up some of those other items. And it's really tough sometimes, you know, going solo for me has been important, but I have brought in partners not only to collaborate with, but also to make sure that I can delegate some of the responsibilities that I can't handle on my own, typically because of time. And so it's important when you go through this, it's rare that one person can encompass all three roles of what we just talked about. So first of all, decide which of the three you are, and it could be more than one area, then find a co-founder or a partner to fill out the other roles that complement you. And it's worth remembering that, you know, all companies now have to have a digital element and a technical co-founder can be a serious advantage when hiring and leading any kind of a tech team. And what I mean by that is when I mentioned, I think a couple of episodes ago, where if you were somebody that your work was in person, whether it be, again, a service oriented business or a product, you would have, you had to pivot. You would have had to figure out how to now have e-commerce, so sell online or to sell in a non-face-to-face way since we had the quarantine and now things are still in a second wave of possibly being shut down, but they're very limited. And if you were teaching face-to-face or if you were a consultant face-to-face or offering a service where you actually had to go and meet somebody, uh, now we've switched to, you know, Zoom and Global Meet and all the different digital platforms. And so it's so important to make sure that you have somebody who has that kind of experience who, or at least is willing and has the ability to learn what it means to be technically um, advanced, or at least technically up to speed in uh, functioning every day. So you, you have to be able to do that. One thing in my business, and it might just seem kind of trivial, but it's not just how many Zoom meetings I've done. And I mentioned Global Meet and, you know, there, there's so many different platforms that we've been out there doing meetings on. I think I'm Beacon Live and, you know, there's, I think there's 10 that I'm dealing with, but also the fact as an auditor in the healthcare field, I used to get paper just sent to me and going through paper charts. And then it was where I would go to their practice and they would pull charts for me. Now, not just because of the pandemic, but in the last, I would say probably three or four years. Now I sign a business associate agreement, which I always have, but I sign a double agreement showing that 
I have uh, firewalls and appropriate passwords so that I can uh, remotely log in to another practice's electronic medical records so I can audit that way. Now I'm limited on what I can see and I require that. I want to make sure I'm seeing exactly the dates of service so I'm not liable for anything else that's looked at. But that is crucial. And I'm one of the most technically challenged people that you'll ever meet, mainly because I'm old school. You know, I've been doing this ever since, oh my gosh, for those of you in healthcare, ever since we used to type our claims. I remember going recently to a, um, uh, IT warehouse it was like a museum and it was not too recently, about a year and a half ago. And they had an IBM typewriter and it was funny because I was there with a couple of people who were in their twenties, including my daughter. And they were looking at it going, what is that? I'm like, that is a typewriter. You're not that old, are you? Or that young, I should say. And they were just like, how does it work? And so I would turn it on and show them how it, you know, it it advanced backwards and remember how we used to have to hold down the actual button and hold down a different button to get the, the whiteout to work, to, to go back and correct something. Yeah. Some of you know what I'm talking about, but even just watching an episode of something that was on TV recently where I think it was Ellen or something where she had a dial phone, uh, phone where the girl was trying to figure out how to use a, um, what was it? A dial phone and a yellow pages and she couldn't figure it out. And she kept trying to dial the phone without picking up the receiver. I, I never laughed so hard in my entire life because she really didn't understand about how that worked. Well, now we fast forward to things now And I feel really bad for people who have not taken the time. We've now, you know, we're into this pandemic now, four to five months out, where you have to be updated on certain digital platforms. And in just talking about bringing somebody in or beginning to start a business for yourself, you need to have somebody that has a little bit of savvy in that area. So make sure that you have that technical portion, if nothing else. And if you're struggling to decide, Make a list of all the main stages of your startup's future growth. So estimate the probability of each step going better and the same or worse. And with the co-founder by your side, how can they, you know, really help to modify or mitigate some of the things you might be going through? So next would be, what do you look for in a co-founder? So many entrepreneurs opt for a co-founder they already know, and they know they can work successfully with. Um, they wouldn't just go out searching for a co-founder to start a business with. They want somebody that pretty much you have known and worked with them before. This is where it gets a little bit interesting when you try to use somebody from your personal life, a partner or a spouse or uh, a best friend or anything. You haven't worked together and that's a different animal altogether. Um, I know I've, I've tried to work with my brother before and I love him dearly, but it's tough because our priorities are different. And I think he looks for a lot of direction from we, from me when I expect more of an independent worker and somebody who also takes initiative and gets things done without always needing me to do some things. So it, you have to make sure that you have somebody that has your intent as well saying, if I give you these tasks to do, I also expect you to know what needs to be next and know what comes next. Not always looking to me for direction. Collaboration's one thing, direction's completely different. You do need a good personal chemistry that can be a plus because it means you can focus your energy on customers and not on internal dynamics or issues that happen there. But I would also recommend that your co-founder should typically be in the same industry as your startup. It's a huge plus if they're already familiar with launching a company. 
They can have different skills to your own. That's going to be really important. So you can cover several key bases, but this works on a behavioral level as well. If you're a blind optimist, look for a co-founder who's a bit of a pessimist. If you're a visionary, partner up with someone who is more operational. So working with your opposite to ensure your planning and progress aren't lopsided. And then professional drive and values, they do matter no matter what you're doing. Your co-founder should have a similar work ethic, and I'm probably going to mention that again, as you or you fall out of sync, affecting your resilience when times are tough or somebody that just gives up. But make sure that when you deal with a co-founder, that you have to share a passion for the task at hand. And you have to be unwavering in the face of diversity. I've seen a couple of people that started up podcasts and they already quit. They said, you know what, after two or three episodes, I realized that I don't have time for it or um, I'm not making money from it. And I'm just like, well, if that's the reason you're doing it, then you definitely need to stop doing it. You know, just in the podcasting community, that's about getting a message out. That's by having a voice. That's by kind of advertising who you are, not necessarily um, what you have to offer, but just who you are and making sure people are comfortable with you. And then you go into what you're offering and, and why you're basically on the airwaves. It just gives you more of a kind of a personal connection to people or um, a personality when you can't be in front of them all the time. And so when I see that people kind of give up sometimes, it's so important when you have either a co-founder or a co-partner in your entrepreneurial growth and your business that you share that same unwavering adversity faith that you know that if you have something that happens where you're thinking, oh, great, then you need to be able to pivot. And you need to also share trust to stay afloat. So you have to make sure that you know that there's going to be a series of tough problems And when you launch a startup, there's always problems, there's always issues. And you have to have that trust. You have to make sure that someone that you are partnering with, that you can divide up issues, you can handle them, each of them in turn, and try to continue to proceed with accomplishing some of those things. And if you put it all on yourself and hope that person catches up, it's going to be a problem. So trust and also transparency is going to be a a huge issue in who you choose. Now, one of the things that you want to avoid, and I don't always like to be negative on any podcast, but sometimes you, you really have to have these open conversations. But classic red flags include people who have broken unfavorably with business partners in the past, or people who are notoriously difficult to work with. You want to be careful of somebody who tries to chase the spotlight Um, are comfortable with little white lies and don't consider long-term impacts, um, that those people are best to be avoided. Somebody who takes things personally, you can't have that. You have to be very, I just want to say very upfront about what you're talking about and how to approach things. And just remember, it's a business. You can't take it personally. And sometimes that's tough when the person that you're partnering with is somebody that is a a spouse, for example, or um, a, a relationship that isn't just in business. But whatever the values of your co founders, these typically get woven into the entire corporate culture. And if you don't have somebody that has integrity, And a lack of integrity will drive away if you eventually have employees. If you eventually have um, what what I use is uh, subcontractors and you want somebody to be able to want to work with you. Uh, If you get investors 
And it can really sink any startup if you have somebody that you're not on the same page when it comes to integrity. Surface level knowledge simply will not cut it in business leadership. So you have to make sure that your co-founder isn't lacking in depth when it comes to industry expertise in uh, professional skill or intuition. So don't be hesitant to ask potential co-founders if they've authored any kind of articles or papers, uh, conducted any research or produced other content in their field. Uh, Checking their social media and blogs can offer insight into their temperament and depth of analysis. Here's something that I think you'll find interesting. So I have a a friend and I like to call her a friend and her name is Sonel and she is also a healthcare consultant and I met her only through a social media platform, LinkedIn, and just a very nice gal. And she has started sending me a couple of, she listens to all my podcasts and she's sending me some, I don't want to say critiques, but every week she lets me know what she likes about it and, uh, and uh, both of them. And that has been just so helpful but don't think I didn't do my due diligence on this person to see, you know, what she puts out there, her content, uh, the feedback she gets from other fellow consultants and really what her uh, reputation is in the industry, which happens to be stellar. And so it, it just was so nice that she took the time to give me feedback, whether I asked for it or not, but it, it really has been helping into, um, give me what I need for my content. And it just gives me a checks and balance. And I just appreciate, you know, being able to connect with people that way, but, understanding and bringing it back to my topic here, understanding if you're going to bring in a co-founder or a partner, know what, who they are, know, you know, their reputation, their expertise, their professional skill, and make sure you are checking on who that person is. Don't just take for granted what they tell you. I made that mistake a couple of times recently and not so recently, and you learn from your mistakes. Now I do my due diligence on people. Otherwise it can be an issue. Also make sure your co-founder is willing to have skin in the game. So what that means is you should ideally be investing, uh, they should in their own time and as well as you and money in the business and the causes they are passionate about. Not being financially involved kind of hints that they're more accustomed to taking risk with other people's money. Uh, one of my um, old podcasts that I actually keep trying to relaunch I had that happen with my partner on there because she wasn't as passionate about the project as I was. I gave her a little bit more control than I should have. And then all of a sudden it quit and we actually don't really speak anymore, but it's really something that I had to move on from that relationship and realize that we were just not partners that could have made a good go at it. So when I relaunch, I'm hoping to relaunch with somebody that actually hopefully with my sister-in-law that we have the same mindset and she's part of uh, what we call um, an angel organization where she's a venture capital uh, partner in, up in Oregon. And it's great because we're both businesswomen. We've actually both have, we're, um, you know, one child, which is a daughter and uh, we both just get along so well, but she's very business minded as I am. And our backgrounds are very similar, even though we're not in healthcare, uh, both of us anyway, she's in something that's financial and I'm in healthcare in the financial end of it. But you just really want to make sure that your co-founder or your partner or anytime you're going, you're going to start up anything, whether it be a business, a podcast, a um, launching a product, uh, launching a service, anything like that, that you have someone that will invest their own time, their own money, and they, their own passion, and make sure that they're not just out to use your skills and what you have 
um, for their own personal gain. It has to be something that you're both invested in. And some of these warning signs can, you know, really be evident. You can see them from your first meetings, but you should always be asking your mutual contacts and even maybe, you know, a former employer, if, you know, their opinion and insights, if you're trying to um, launch a, a pretty large scale business. So it's really important that you do your due diligence on somebody uh, and make sure you know their reputation and their insight. And then where can you find your ideal co-founder, which kind of leads into that last part. Your network is the best place to find a co-founder. If you're active in the industry that you're in, the right partner can already be under your nose. They can be in conferences. They can even be competitors, believe it or not. Um, and, and I do have some partners on my website that you will see that uh, are also competitors, but in a, in a different niche. Um, you can find them in webinars. And if you see those, you know, free webinars, take them. Even if you only last for five, 10 minutes in your industry or something that interests you, take them. It couldn't hurt you to, to look and see what's good, what's not so good, but it can help build your network. If you don't have someone in your network, it's time to get networking. You, you need to get your foot in the door. And the only way to do that is to raise your visibility, both in your industry and with specific individuals. Join events, ask for introductions, post on social media, or start writing, engaging content, you know, try to get that conversation started. I just had a meeting today with um, an association I belong to for healthcare consultants. And one of the frustrating parts of the meeting, even though I love this organization, was that they, they tend to put the cart before the horse. I, you know, you have to be able to have uh, SEO, which is search engine optimization for your website, but your website has to look good before you want people to go there. And sometimes I don't always see that. And plus you have to make sure that you are writing to the moment. You're, if you're going to write something up, make sure you also have somebody look at it, make sure you've gotten out all the typos and the English language is, is appropriate and that there's not too much slang used. Try not to be political as much as I would love to be. You can't be in nowadays. And so you have to really be not neutral, but speak to speak to the content as far as your industry and don't speak to your personal um, feeling about things. And I know that's tough, but when you start those conversations, when you get that, that um, search engine going, when you raise your visibility, you will find that partner who finally sees you as someone maybe they could be in sync with. And at the same time, try venturing beyond your comfort zone. Consider people who have diverse backgrounds and strategic visions. You know, every business can benefit from unconventional players rather than people who just seem like the prototype for the role you're looking for. You know, seek out diversity to make your company and yourself stronger from the very beginning. Don't treat it like an extra that you bring in at a later date. Ask somebody who you are trying to recruit. You have the responsibility of being transparent about your goals with potential partners. That will help you filter out anyone moving in a different direction for you. So for example, you may want the startup to be acquired quickly while your prospective partner has their heart set on building a legacy for themselves. Well, that's a clear mismatch and you want to be able to get rid of that right away. But how do you seal the deal with a co-founder? So usually a co-founder becomes official once equity has been distributed. It's your responsibility to negotiate how many shares or how the financial aspect will be divided up between you and your partner. 
You know, many entrepreneurs suggest a 50-50 split for fairness, while others advocate handing out shares based on the value or contribution of the company. For me, I would always keep 10%, not even 1%. I would keep 10%. A common mistake is giving somebody else just 10% and then making them or expecting them to do the same amount of work as you do. Make sure that it's equal enough and you agree on it unless someone is making a more significant financial investment. So if that is the case, then it should be proportional to the equity. And that's where you you can kind of make your decision there. But remember, if your decision on who you bring in, who your co-founders would be, if they're if you're appointing them based on their contribution from an equity perspective, meaning money, consider their skill set, experience, education, investment and responsibility. You know, you make sure that you're looking at um, a year or two down the line. What do you think the input and value of each co-founder, if it's more than one, will have been at that point? And what is the right split for that? And do you have safety nets in, you know, uh, in place? Should somebody decide they want to divest or they want to get out of it? And how will that go? Uh, make not having a vesting schedule or a divesting schedule means that you could be vulnerable to your co-founder suddenly leaving, keeping all their equity without having uh, contributed proportionally to the company. And so you really have to have those assignments in place when you get into the legalities of a possible split. And again, I don't want to get into ne- negativities, but these are things you have to look at. Think of it as a prenuptial agreement. You have to have something where you specify what the vision is and how it will be actioned upon should you decide to split at any point, because everybody's life changes as well. If you do decide to work with a co-founder, these are really the serious steps that need to be taken to make sure and guarantee that the fit is right for you and your business. You'll both be expected to commit full time to start and be flexible on the road ahead. So there's really no templates out there for co-finding or co-founding a business, but you just have to go by, you know, advice that you have heard. Hopefully this is helping you out a little bit. And then really you're going to have a gut reaction to a lot of it, but I can't stress enough, put things in writing, put it in writing. If you don't have it in writing, there's no understanding. And somebody always has the opportunity to say, well, what you said was, and you're thinking back, that's not what I said. So it's always helpful as you're speaking, as you're having a conversation about being a partner or co-finding a co-founding a business together, make sure that you have it in writing. I also like to record those meetings with somebody else's permission in the room, mainly because now you can take transcript of those meetings and then both agree that after that you will delete the, the transcript. You just want to make sure you don't keep those that sometimes that gets a little dicey, but you want to have as much in writing as you can. So I hope that spoke to some of you who've been asking me, you know, how do I start up a business with a partner? Because it's important to me to not just go it alone. And I just want to give you some insight there. So everyone make it a great day and a great week. And thank you for listening to the Business Collective Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Business Collective Podcast. Drop us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Check out our website and blog at www.business-collective.com.